want to tell you guys real quick about our new protein bars and bites. We've got an excellent way that you can snack and increase protein levels, an incredibly high amount of fiber as well, low in sugar. It's a perfect add-in for any type of diet. And in addition to great sources of protein and fiber and very low sugar, we've added in over 60 plants. That means if you're not a vegetable eater and you're not getting all these plants into your diet, it's an excellent way to cover the bases from a micronutrient standpoint and an enzymatic standpoint and make sure that your body is getting everything that it needs. Get 10% off the Protein Bars and Bites or any other product at onit.com slash podcast. Very special episode today with my boys from Mind Pump. Adam, Sal, and Justin uh, have become very close friends of mine. When I first got off the Joe Rogan experience a couple years back, I made some good rounds jumping on another podcast, and I really hit it off with these guys. They're based in San Jose, where I'm from, my hometown. And, um, you know, since that first podcast I did with Mind Pump, we've, we've jumped on each other's podcasts in the past. They've been a guest on my show before I got here to On It. And it was a real treat and a real pleasure to fly them out here to On It and have them Join us on the On It podcast and to jump back on Mind Pump's podcast. Uh, they did a podcast with Aubrey Marcus on their show as well, so be sure to check that out. But let me know what you think. These, we, we talk about all things. This is more of a, uh, an any and all conversation podcast, similar to what you hear on the Joe Rogan experience. Um, these guys aren't experts in any one field. You know, that's, that's kind of what I love about them is that they have a wealth of knowledge on a lot of things fitness oriented, but even outside of that, you know, a lot of life experience between the three of them. Uh, two of them are parents, you know, and I I'm often find myself picking their brains on what to expect in these upcoming stages with my own son. So check this podcast out. I think you'll enjoy it. Hey, I heard you, uh, you tore your labia. No, labia. Your labia. <laughs> Every time you say labrum, I just want to be like, labia. It's <laughs> good. With my labia. Hey, we're rolling with labia. Are we on? We're on. That's an intro right there. That is an intro. It's just the good old boy. Well, we're here, Kyle bro. told us he tore his labia. That's what yeah. I heard. Yeah. yeah, on his shoulder. You know what? Yeah. Justin doesn't like to sing unless he can hear his own voice. His wait, ears. wait. Can we fucking intro Mind Pump style with the um, fucking music? This is the guy. I, would have I know Justin's sick. Like, we had a song we prepared. Yeah. We prepared it on the way over here. We're just the good old boy. Yeah, there it is. We're rocking out here in Texas. I don't know. That's all I got. That's yeah. it. Yeah. You know what? You <laughs> know what? Works. Though that was pretty good. Nice. That was pretty good. No, Not as bad as me. Like sick half right now. form. You know what I mean? There was a. There's a yeah. There might be some panties. I wanted to be inclusive of Justin Taylor. since you guys often aren't, and he is sick, so he might not talk a lot this episode. Oh. Oh. Are we not inclusive this of you? Episode. Justin, not inclusive? <laughs> no. do we, do we ever, do you feel like we're not inclusive? Uh, you know what? Like I don't know. So you know what? Points it out, and now I'm feeling. You know, like feelings. Justin and I played a prank on Sal though one time because Sal had before we record. Sometimes he's got like a story he wants to tell, and he wants to wait till we get on the podcast. Wait, don't we're gonna get started right away? And I got the story I want to tell you. He goes to the bathroom. Right. I tell Justin, like, dude, every time he starts a story, let's interrupt him and then we'll start talking about something else. <laughs> we must have did that oh like six God. times. I got you see hella, the frustration. He's like, let me, let, me, let me finish the story. I got hella paranoid. Like, what the oh fuck, man? Like, You're probably on, on like what? Like a gram of edibles? Yeah, are they not trying to be all that, being my friends right now? It was really, uh, really weird. Yeah, we're, we're we're not, we don't do edibles that often on the show in. anymore. When we first started, we, there, was a lot of, there was a lot of cannabis involved and a lot of drinking involved to get us through it. But that's just to calm the nerves, I think. Yeah. yeah or think, change it up. Well, yeah. after, we're, it, so, we're, we're sober most of the time now. Yeah. Most of the time. That's right. Sometimes percent. it's fun to have sober a good birds. time with the guest. Right. You know, and then also sometimes, like, like uh, you guys at Lane Norton, you know, you want yeah. to soften it up a yeah. little bit. Right, like, right. Like, hey, let's, 
let's yeah, bury like the hatchet here, Lane. Let's yeah. get a little booze in us and have a good time. And that ended up turning out to be a really good interview. Well, well so we've had a few situations where we'll invite guests down. And we always ask people if they want to, you know, if they want to drink or they want whatever. If they want cannabis, whatever. And uh, whatever. It's, what's, hilarious, what's funny about this is that I think sometimes guests are like, yeah, I'll, I'll try some of that. And then they get really paranoid and nervous on the podcast. Mm. Meanwhile, we're like, it's like spinach for us. Yeah, it's like, yeah. like, like Popeye. Yeah, just, yeah just we're like on fire. You just leveled up, you tuned <laughs> yeah. in, and they're yeah. fucking retreating. Ah, yeah. What are they yeah. thinking? Yeah. I'm saying they're going to a dark place, and we're just you know accelerating. We just had someone inter- interview with us. Uh, this was without Justin. This was with Sal, yeah, yeah. and he took Justin's seat. We were yeah. doing a Q and A, and we let him sit in there. And he's like, and I was like, hey man, I feel like smoking for this one. Let's just cut loose and just have a good time. He's like. Okay, yeah, I'm down. <laughs> yeah. And you see him, he's sitting across from me like this, dude, yeah. just yeah. eyes all He was <laughs> not ready. Like, so what do you think, bro? And he's like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was he from Cali? No, no. I don't think he's no, from so, so I moved, and I, I'd like to take credit for helping vote in the legalization of cannabis in <laughs> yeah, California. It was your vote. Full credit. It was your that vote. Was My you vote was the tipping. Guy. No, I don't think it was a close You're vote. You're the guy. Um, but I haven't been home, man. I've been, I've been, I went down to LA uh, for the Whole Foods launch with On It, and it was fucking awesome. And at that point, it had just been recreationally made available. Yeah. How has life changed for you, gentlemen? Not at all. Being yeah. cannabis. It hasn't at all. California has been but, so easy to get it. Hold on now. I had a medical card there. What about, I hear they're fucking with edibles. I hear they're saying that you got to have a medical card for edibles. You can't buy them recreationally. If you do, it's like one 10 milligram edible or some kind of so nonsense. I, so uh, two mm. things. Uh, first and foremost, to have a medicinal card now in California. Now there's a federal, uh, like a state medicinal card. You have to go to like a police station and I, f- I think the court, like there's only two places now you can get this application, you fill it out and then you get this license. And what it does is it gives you, you pay less taxes because they've taxed the fuck out of recreational marijuana. So the price mm. now has gone up and to get a medical medicinal card now, it's very difficult. So it's kind of fucked up the way they did it. As far as the edibles are concerned, I totally blame that on the fucking stoners that make the edibles that they sell. And I mean, there's cookies that are a thousand milligrams of THC. Of course, they're going to start regulating the hell out of it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I don't mind that. You know, a thousand I mean, milligrams. I'm not going to have a thousand milligrams first ever, time, you know. ever. But I'm just saying. It's yeah, also like understand. making candies and well, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and they say like kids are more likely to eat it then if it's yeah. a candy, that kind of shit. And they have pretty good packaging. I remember from going to places like Elemental Wellness in San Jose and shit like that, where it's you know it's the childproof lock on my fucking Kiva bar. It's fairly resistant to, yeah. to any kid. It's not going to fucking open that. Yeah, but, but think about it this way. Well, the Place industry's it, growing through it. It's going through a lot of changes yeah. right now. So, and when they when it first started, like I remember when we, I mean, I was a part of the first four that ever existed in the Bay Area. There's now like two, 300 of them. And edibles, and I remember we were trying to be like one of the first legitimate ones because it was pretty, you know, shady when it first started. And, you know, we were trying to get vendors that were super professional. And they they had, back then, like nobody even had, milligrams broken down or any of that it was like straight four dose two dose one dose it. ten dose it's based off a dose and it was so and nobody no had like a medium no, oh, yeah. dose no consistency whatsoever it, right and what happened was and the market controlled all of this because consu- the consumer wanted the strongest thing for the cheapest price yeah. and so you had these other guys that were coming in that were trying to be professional box it right measure it right make sure that it's sourced well and so it was consistent so people could really use it like medicine but it didn't matter because all the consumers didn't care. Like 90% of them didn't care about that. Sure, there was a small percentage that they would come in. They would see me and they'd be like, hey, you know, I want to make sure this is just the right amount. I want to overdo it. It's my first time trying this. But they didn't represent the majority. The majority were mm-hmm. how high can I get, you know, mm-hmm. for as little money possible. 
And so that drove a lot of these clubs. So now they're trying to regulate well, think it. Think about which, this way. I don't know any, imagine if any other medicine, I don't care what the medicine is, heartburn medicine. Imagine if any other medicine came in the form of like gummy bears and gummy worms <laughs> and fucking Captain Crunch cereal and shit like that. They have to change. Chocolate coating. Yeah, they have to change. You can't keep producing marijuana like that because nobody's going to take you seriously. You can't make it candy. It's just not, nothing, it will never work. What about really good stevia sweetened chocolates? Yeah, it's chocolate. Like you Chocolate's don't get, healthy. Imagine if they made it causes Advil superfood. Yeah. Imagine if they made Advil chocolate. You <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? True. It's kind of weird. You know what I mean? Give me, I have a headache, yeah. honey. Give me the chocolate bar. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It's, they're going through a transition. You're seeing it happen. It's just going to take a long time before yeah. we see it all, you know, completely settle. It's going to be a massive industry. It already is. Yeah. Gavin Newsom, the lieutenant governor of uh, California, said that they estimate possibly within the first year, but for sure within the first three years, that they'll do one billion with a B in fucking tax revenue. Mm-hmm. And this is a state that has been horrible with fucking figuring out its finances oh. for decades. And so that's the, so that's and like they're a, the number, sixth largest GDP in the world at times, right? Yeah. I don't know what they are currently, yeah. but they, that, to have a tax issue, to be fucking in debt, there's zero reason for that. It's yeah. a, it's and it's bittersweet because you're going to give more money to a fucked up dysfunctional system yeah just who just you raised your your price of gasoline oh right? i don't crazy. fucking miss that you guys got an extra 12 percent or 12 cent Dude, hike how much are we paying over there for like 350 i don't even look anymore just it's depressing I saw it was like <laughs> two <laughs> bucks <laughs> here and I there's a gas card i use it i don't fucking look at it it's yeah. a full dollar 50 more than what we see over here everybody's on electric yeah yeah i had no complaints moving here it's cheaper than it is in vegas and vegas was not expensive yeah so it's definitely nice there's you guys see a lot of the electric cars over here i mean i saw aubrey's driving a tesla i don't need but i don't see i think some of the higher ups have teslas but you know i don't think it's it's you know obviously there's a tech boom here in northern austin um the more california prices businesses out the more we'll see them come here there's no Mm. state income tax you know they're we're welcoming corporations to the state of Texas, and you see that. Is there a lot of places you know, to but, plug in over here? Yeah, I think so. But I mean, for for me, like I have a Prius, and it's funny because it's, it's badass. Not, by the way, it's still not a Prius crowd. You know, Donald Cerrone was in town. You know, fighter from the UFC. He's like, <laughs> was he, he saw me getting that car. He's, what are you liberal? <laughs> 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 the guy, I, I kind of care about gas money, and I, I definitely care about the environment. So call it call it what you want, dude. Yeah. Well, the, the gas money thing is a scam. So that was like, so I bought a Toyota Corolla like eight years ago, and I, I was going to get a Prius. And so I remember that what happened, I was driving this big lifted truck and I never really paid attention to my gas. And that was when the Wells Fargo made this transition where they started to divide your bills out so you could see where you're spending all your money, right? Because I was not tracking that. And all of a sudden I see my gas bill was $800 a month. And I was like, oh, that's, a, that's a lot of gas money. I thought, man, if I just drove a vehicle that got me 30 miles to a gallon or more, I drove it 50% of the time, I would save myself 400 something dollars a month. That would warrant the payment on it and i can yeah. go put zero down and now i have two vehicles and i saved the life on the other one so like literally that next day i went out and bought a car but i was on my way to get a tesla because i thought okay if, if the whole a, per- pure, i mean a prius a prius yeah if my whole idea was to get a car that was going to get better gas mileage i was like that i mean save money and get better gas mileage i was going for like a prius but then when i get down there i realized that the prius is a good 10 to fifteen thousand dollars more than what the corolla is and the corolla is gas and it gets about 10 to 20 less miles per gallon. But then when you weigh out how long it would take you to make up for that 10 to $12,000, like 20 10 years, years. <laughs> it was 10 years before they would even even out. So it's like, well, that makes no sense. Just buy a horse. Right. Just, yeah. buy, <laughs> just buy a horse. You know. Dude, I bet that'd go over very well here One in horsepower. Texas. Oh, yeah, start yeah. showing up. I'm only two miles from on it. I could show up on a horse. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be the gangster move, need man. a fucking stable. Oh, yeah. I'll build a stable. Yeah. I'll get in his ear. Yeah, yeah. So fucking, 
I guess we should do an intro for you guys. You know, I, I, I tend to do an intro beforehand, sure. but just so people have a reference point. Who we are. To my right, Sal. Woo! The man, the myth, the legend. Handsome. My, my fellow, fellow psychonaut. Mm. He's, He's the handsomest nerd I've yeah. ever seen. Mm. Shortly. Adam. A little more handsome. A little bit more handsome. <laughs> just a little, a little more Jack. He's the guy in the boot with a fucked up Achilles. <laughs> and my man, Justin, who needs some more love. Uh, who needs some more yeah, love. A lot right? less handsome. I don't yeah. need any love. I just get a lot of love. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he gets plenty of love, Kyle. You guys have fucking 700 Slanging. plus episodes now? Almost oh, 700. We're like a at six something. I don't know what we're six, at. 690, six Doug? Something like that? Something yeah, we like talk that. a lot, basically. Lord. Yeah, and you had, you guys put do, it all out there. You started with one hour episodes, but you've had some longer episodes. Yeah, we do our, early on. Our episodes were around thirty to maybe fifty minutes. And I remember uh, the transition. There was a period. I don't remember. It's probably after episode. Well, there was an original strategy. The original strategy was we are trying to time the average commute, since the majority of podcast listeners listen to their in their car on their way to work. I don't remember where we read this way back when podcasting was first getting hot, but that was like the goal. Like, okay, well, let's try and make it fit within this com average commute time. Mm -hmm. So this 20, 30 minute was, this, but what we found is we continue to go longer and longer. We more. just let the flow go when yeah, the flow the conversations stops. Conversations got better. We yeah. stopped. I can't imagine like, you guys cut it? stopping at fucking 30 minutes. It's uh, always the Our intros yeah. are longer than 30 minutes. Yeah, our yeah. intros are 40 minutes sometimes yeah. now. Our show is uh, divided into kind of two shows, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. It was all totally by accident. I mean, we first started these, we would do these episodes and you'd walk into them and we would just be bullshitting and then we'd get into fitness and it just morphed into this like, two-part show where you have the first 30 to 40 minutes is us just joking around bullshitting talk. talking about current events whatever like a talk show and then the next you know 40 minutes or so is fitness stuff you know people ask us questions about nutrition science exercise based. science that kind of stuff and it just turned out that way it was totally on there's a pure division though yeah. i mean we have some people that absolutely uh, we just had someone the other day say so they, they they hate the beginning they hate the oh bro talk yeah. oh it's bro talk pole. You know, I remember that. I remember Doug mentioning that. Mm -hmm. I think the first time I recorded with you guys down in San Jose. Yeah. But at there's your, at your fin finest studio I've ever been in. He said <laughs> our studio is the best studio he's ever been in. He's in, including other than, that's, that's uh, than Joe Rogan's. There's no question. There's Even no Joe's question. new one. Well, I haven't been to Joe's new one. Okay. Yes. Yet. See, now yeah. I've heard that about his old one, but I heard his new one's pretty cool though. Yeah. I'm sure it is. It looks I'm sure pretty he's cool. Even all out on that one, I heard. He doesn't have to fucking hold back. But yeah, man, you guys got an excellent studio. I saw you guys are you're working with our boy Mike Salemi. Quite a bit. Yeah. Some dope videos now. Yeah. So you got a you got the podcasting studio. I'm trying to give people a visual that, that aren't mind pump. Obviously, we'll have a ton of mind pump folks on this, but um for the on it listeners that aren't familiar, you guys got an amazing fucking soundproof studio just for the podcast. And within that space, a full workout area with all the fun equipment that we have here at On It. A lot of weird shit. Justin was showing me some really cool stuff with the mace today. Yeah. Um, and you're doing a lot of videos, different things yeah. in that space. So you can have a YouTube presence mm -hmm. and really show the art. Right, because a lot of there. this you need yeah. fucking visual. You know, I could talk you through a Turkish getup, but it's much easier if you see for sure a kettlebell sportmaster do yeah. it. Right? Yeah, I know the Absolutely. goal. The goal when we first started was to have a podcast, and I remember you know we had a conversation with Doug, and Doug says if we can get a hundred people to subscribe to our podcast within the first month, I think we'll be doing good. We had such like small like goals, expectations, and it really started to take off. And we we decided we want to turn this really into a media company. We want to cover all the new media. So podcast was first, and now we have YouTube, and we're looking at doing all kinds of different things to really uh, do a few things. One, be a filter for the fitness industry because it's uh, it's an industry that's super saturated with bullshit. Most of the information you get in the fitness industry is just complete garbage and crap. 
And then the second thing is to break out of fitness and create entertainment uh, with our media as well, which will you know, help draw people in. And really, that's entertainment's the key. If you can entertain then, and you can educate a little bit, you've got the winning formula. And that's really been the goal since since. For, it's not just for a while all the now. bullshit. I think a, a lot is biased too, and I don't blame everybody because I feel like that's kind of been the formula to make money in fitness for so many years. For so many years, yeah, grab their attention, right? So for so many years, it's been you know, get yourself somewhat of a tribe or some following, or if you're already currently famous, and then you attach yourself to some big supplement company, and then that's how you monetize and you make money. It's been kind of the formula for I don't know, a good 10, 15 years, and it's still uh, it's still present now today. And I think that. What that drives, it drives a lot of really uh, uh, disciplined people who like will put the work in to get on the cover of a magazine or do whatever it takes to get that attention, like whether it be social media or whatever. And then then they pair with some supplement company, and then all their message is around that is pitching these these products versus providing really good uh, science based information. And so I think that's more the problem than it's just bullshit. I think some of the stuff out there is still decent. I just think it's. It's driven by that, which reminds me of what we all grew up in. We grew up at uh, the f- largest fitness chain in the world, 24-Hour Fitness, and during its heydays, and a lot of the information that we used to provide, I thought I was providing really good information, but it w- really was biased. It was what the company wanted me to pitch and say because that's what benefited them. It wasn't really necessarily what benefited my clients. And it took years of training before really started to piece that together when I started kind of scratching my head going like, you know, I consider myself, or I'm supposed to be like the top guy. I'm like the best guy, number one, all this stuff like that. But that's all based off of revenue and what I sold. It wasn't really off the lives that I was changing. Because when I really looked into that, it was like maybe 20% or less. I was really changing. I remember lives. you mentioned that before in a podcast we did that you actually had a boss sit you down and say like, maybe we don't help them heal so fast. Like they kind of wanted to scale back how fast you got them results to keep them coming back longer. So, I mean, you, you, you hear it all the time and I, and I, they used to tell you to, you know, you wanted to lock somebody into a contract. When you lock someone into a contract, you wanted to add all the supplements to them and tell them. So you put so much emphasis on what they were missing. It was almost like this scare tactic, you know, that you don't know enough and I would spend some time with you to make you feel that way. And then from there, recommend all this personal training and all the supplements and whatever, and then keep keeping them coming back. And, you know, when you look at the success rate, you really are, you're not really helping those people. They're either on or off the wagon. And when they're on the wagon, they're paying me and I'm making money. And when they're off, they're out of shape. And, you know, so I think it's just a really poor model. And I think that was a lot of the motivation for us because we feel, I think part of it, we feel guilty for it. We were part totally. of the, we were part of the problem for many years. And I think now we, we want to be a part of the solution. Yeah. It, it's interesting looking back. It's totally a motivator because you, you realize the kind of information you're giving your clients and like what you're doing with them. And it's just like, it, it, it drives you to get better because you just, <laughs> you just shake your head and you're in, and you feel bad, but at the same time um, you want so badly for these people to get the, the quality information that, you know, you now have. And I wish I had, even as an athlete, like if I had the tools that I have now um, I, I would have benefited tremendously from it. And it's just that, that, that passion kind of leads into um, we want to just talk about it. We want to put everything out there. It's like we're not trying to hold anything back and, and get you in some private portal that we're just making exclusive for people that pay premium or whatever. Like we, we obviously put like premium programs out there, but at the same time, you know, we want to give away as much as we possibly can. Yeah, it was uh, it, you, a lot of the common follies, you know, as, as a personal trainer. You still actually see quite a bit of them now. Like you, 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 when you're training a client, it becomes about how sore 
you can make your client or how much I can make you sweat or how hard I could train. It becomes all about this crazy intensity. It actually becomes competitive among personal trainers. A lot of people don't know this, but when you're in a gym and you're a trainer, it's like a badge of honor. If right, you don't want to be known as the trainer who doesn't get their client sore no, and the client want, comes and complains. Yeah, if you're going to walk for a week. Yeah, right? if you're making people puke and they can't walk and they're talking, like you're, you're a badass and that's what you do. And uh, you know, when someone hires you, you want to show them how tough you are. And it's terrible. It's terrible because it doesn't work. It doesn't get people faster results. It actually does the opposite. Um, and you get this, this revolving door in health clubs where the average member joins which is the yeah. model that they want. That's it's the, the model yeah. they want That's, because technically if everybody showed up, <laughs> they had to shut the chain down. Code. They actually yeah. built violation. The model has slowly morphed and followed that and has built itself around it. I mean, when we were managing gyms, now this is the when I was managing uh, major health clubs, this is in the late 90s, 24 fitness. So I'm grand opening these clubs, right? Your average, you know, regular one club membership was $40 a month. This is 24 fitness and this is in 1998. The average membership now at some of these gyms is like 12 bucks, 15 bucks a month. It's cheaper. And you got to ask yourself why. Well, they went, they fucking full pressed that particular bet. They said, wow, look at this. If we charge a, just a little bit, so little that somebody will think it's crazy to cancel. Because how many people do you know who are like, I haven't used the gym for a year, but it's only My mom. 10 bucks a month. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody has at least one yeah, or two dude. friends, right? Yeah. Exactly. That yeah. became the model. Like sell them a membership that's cheap enough where they'll buy it. Enough money where we'll make money, but also they don't cancel. And let's m create a situation in which they don't come back. And we have extreme examples in fitness now with like coming. Do you guys have Planet Fitness out here? No, I remember those in Cali, though. They had one right across the street from me. In oh, right. Terrible. So they're an extreme example that they even target the people that are even more unlikely to continue to succeed and stay in the gym and try and get them to come in there. And then they have the super low prices by feeding them donuts them and pizza space. and shit. Yeah. It's just you like, think you're joking. They have free pizza, yeah, day. pizza day. They'll have donut day. <laughs> I mean, I mean it's. They'll and then have, they, they keep a, the EFT low, man. They have a they have an alarm called a lunk alarm. So if a guy like you walks in there, kind of muscular, and you go do a deadlift, which is a band exercise in there, the lunk alarm will go off, and somebody will come and kick yeah. you out. And of who the gym. Would, who's more likely to use a gym, right? The guy who's probably deadlifting, squatting, has been lifting for a long time, so he's going to put the most wear and tear on your gym. So we don't want to attract those people. Yeah, yeah. We want to attract the people You're that scary. will sign up, probably try it for four or six weeks, and then keep paying it. And never Bro, show guys up like you are a massive uh, investment uh, problem for a gym like that. You're a waste of money because you're paying them 15 bucks a month, but you're yeah, using the you're shit out of their gym. They are losing money on you. Now, the guy over there who joined, who's not going to come back, but it's not going to cancel, probably keep his membership for you know two years. Wanted that Justin when you said the guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, they make a lot of money off of that guy, and it's, yeah. it's, it's too bad. You know what's funny? Here's the crazy thing. You know, who, you know uh, what flipped that on its head? in a big fucking way, and I love it. I, this is part of what I love about this segment of fitness, CrossFit. CrossFit came into fitness and flipped that on its head. They actually came in, charged more, so they have gyms that are you know charging 150 bucks a month for a warehouse, which, by the way, is insane. That's crazy, considering people were paying you know 20 bucks a month and having a sauna and a steam room and a pool and a basketball court. They're like 150 bucks a month. We have four squat racks, five medicine balls, and we're in a warehouse with no AC, but... We are going to become a community. We're going to make people work out and say what you will about their exercise programming, their technique and all that stuff. It was a complete reversal and it showed that there was another model that could That's work. That's what the market needed at the time. And yeah. as a result of CrossFit, you now see the explosion of small 
uh, a more expensive fitness facility. Yeah, Soul Cycles, your Dethrones, your Orange Theories. You see them, and everyone's modeling that now. That's it's right. A, it's a this, lot of small boxes. Yeah, it's a small box. Charge a hundred to two hundred dollars a month. Give them the feel of like almost like they're getting one on one training, yeah. but they're having to share it with fifteen to twenty other yeah, people. Yeah, a lot of small group classes where they are getting instruction and they're not paying private lesson training. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. model for sure. I right know. Well, a, there's a community there too. I think that like. CrossFit really was the first to kind of re sort of mend that process. Like, you know, you go into the gym and you're just doing your, your workout and then you're putting your headphones on and like, it became this big disconnect to everything. And so then that, like CrossFit kind of made it like, okay, I'm coming in and I know everybody in the class and everybody's talking and that was a big deal. And, and, uh, you know, fitness kind of went back into that direction. So now they're trying to recreate that, uh, you know, with all these different like spins with technology and all these different things. But that's a, I mean, that's a big piece too. If you don't have the right community, you know, your brand that's, is going to last very long. That's it. And, and then let's, and let's make it fun, dude. It's this, this space is so fucking stuffy. It's like you have, to, we've divided it for so many years. You've got the, the bros on one side. And then you have like the super technical people on the other side and they both talk shit about each other and yeah. everybody gets in their little camps of my way is the best way. And, and then it just turns into this proving to each other who's, who's got the latest research on what to prove that this is the best way to exercise or to eat food when it's like there's something to take from all of these modalities. But I, I think that's a part of a, a lot of the mission, mission for us, too, is to, you know, have some fun. Call us bros if you want, but then we're also going to drop some serious science and help people, and then we're going to have a lot of fucking fun along the way too. So I think that's I think it's needed. Try in, to put in, us in a box, man. In this industry, really bad. Yeah, and uh, just the message in general. I think um, fitness in general as an industry, um, because that's you know that's what we're mainly talking about, right? It's the industry of fitness uh, is driven and motivated by kind of making you feel bad, right? Not just bad, but making you feel insecure, like you're not enough, like. You know, you're, you're too fat or you're too skinny or you don't look good. And uh, we're going to solve all of your problems in 30 or 60 days. And if I look, I've worked with a lot of people for a long time. I'm mean, over almost 20 years. I worked with people and I learned 10 years in that nobody becomes happy losing 30 pounds. Uh, that's the reality. Actually, in order to lose 30 pounds and keep it off, you have to become happy first. And so that sounds crazy. It sounds very crazy to say that, but it's actually quite true. And if you want any evidence, evidence of that, you just look at the studies that they've done on people who've gotten like things like gastric bypass surgery. You know, these, these are massive people who have to lose all, you know, 80 to 150 pounds. They'll get gastric bypass surgery and you'll see the rate of addiction go up afterwards or because they've lost their drug and they didn't figure out what the root cause of all the all you know their obesity or whatever you know their health problems were and the solution wasn't the weight loss. That may have handled a symptom of it or part of a symptom. But those symptoms will erupt in other ways. And fitness does a terrible job of doing that. Fitness tells people to work out um, and eat a particular way because you hate your body. They don't say, hey, you should love your body. And because you love your body, you should take care of it with exercise and eating right. Totally different message. Two completely different messages. Uh, Both of them will result in completely different long-term results and short-term results. I mean, you go the... You go the I hate my body route. You go the I need to change the way it looks and that's all that matters route. And you'll end up with uh, very little of the looks that you want and poor health. You go with the, you know, I'm focusing on my health and I really want to care for my body. I want to care for myself approach. You'll end up with great health and a great deal of the aesthetics that you were looking for, but it becomes more of a side effect. So part of the message, it's funny because you got three guys that look like us, uh, you know, bros or whatever who talk, who speak this message. 
But and it was kind of a risk when we first started saying it. Uh, but it's resonated very strongly with people because the fitness industry, I think, now has been around long enough to where people have heard the old message enough times so that when I come out and I say to people, those before and after pictures, those you know, get shape, you know, thirty days, the super intense workouts, they're not they're not really what work for you. They don't work for most people because they've probably experienced it now. Most people now have been on a couple of those diets. Most people have experienced the P90X workouts or the crazy shit where they blasted themselves. Periodicogenics. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're starting to realize now, uh, they hear the message like, you know what? That resonates. I don't think our message would have resonated 15 or 20 years ago. I think it was a bit too early. But uh, now yeah. you're starting to hear. And it's cool now because we hear other people start to say this message as well. And so that's kind of the higher driving purpose behind the whole thing. Um, and then we have, you know, our own selfish reasons. Uh, uh, you know, the podcast for us is extremely therapeutic. This yeah, is like therapy, therapy which yeah. is really weird to say. I'm sure you've experienced the same thing. 100%. But I feel like I'm at a therapist's office every time I do this. I leave and I'm like, man, I'm so glad <laughs> yeah, I got that off my chest. Exactly. Like, we're, and I get to share it we with help you you know, hundreds yeah. of thousands of people or whatever. But it's good times, man. Fuck yeah. yeah. It's an absolute pleasure having you guys here. Right when I got hired on it, I was like, yep. If we're bringing in guests, I know these guys are coming to town. That's for damn sure. So it's it's uh, it's been a, a, a fast-paced five months, but it's excellent to have you guys here in Austin. Well, we love it here. On it was one of the the only companies I'd say when we first started podcasting because we were we're paying attention to what everybody else is doing in the fitness space too. Mm-hmm. Actually, we really admired on its mm-hmm. kind of brand and their approach. That was a, in our early episodes. It's cool that we recorded it all because you know we're not bullshit and you can listen to our old ones uh, way back. And yeah, we know, talked about on it back in the we did first fifty episodes because when we were talking about people would ask us questions like, "Who do you think is has the right message? Yeah, who's or the right approach? Doing it right right now? Yeah." And we saw on it as it was really one of the only ones we could think of at the time. Now you have a more few more companies doing it, but back then it was like you have one company that's bringing in kettlebell training. Heavy strength training, maces. Uh, they're talking about meditation. They're talking about yeah. nutrition and performance. Yeah. Kind of everything that encompasses, you know, health, total wellness or whatever. And so it was when we first were invited to come over here, which was early on. Yeah. It must have been we must have been on air for what a year, yeah, maybe well, maybe a year in. Yeah. So we came over like super excited. So yeah, it's cool to come up here because. Yeah, it's it's kind cool of like the first back. place. It's that, more special now, though, having you because of the fact that we yeah. all headed off and San Jose became friends, and then to see you now here is pretty it's definitely pretty a wild. new vibe on this yeah. podcast. Yeah, Fuck right. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned it on this podcast before. I know I mentioned it on Facebook Live and shit like that, but indirectly, you guys are the reason I'm here. I think I talked mentioned it this morning on your guys' podcast, you know. But we came out here to Paleo FX. Uh, Money was a bit tight when I was living in Vegas, you know, doing my own podcast. And you guys were like, just get the flight. I'll take care of everything. You'd be doing on the couch. We got Airbnbs. We're going to party. We're going to have a good time. Yeah. Dude, you know, fun week, fucking, huh? it was fucking incredible. Yeah. You know, got to meet a ton of people at Paleo FX, hung with Greenfield, got to meet Aubrey, then ended up sharing the same flight with Aubrey and uh, John Wolf. And, and that was special. You know, that's, that's exactly why I'm here today. Very, so very cool. Awesome. It's so cool that you said, too, that you're going to give us 5% of your salary going forward now, yeah. too. I think that's <laughs> very glad we have that. My appreciation yeah. knows no so bounds. So cool, man. Yeah, I never really thought have, for you to do that. Very appreciative. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Very appreciative. <laughs> very kind guys. Too <laughs> kind. Too kind. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. So you guys are going to go to Paleo FX again this year, right? I think so. We're right? even thinking about doing the Colorado one, right? So they got one we over got a Colorado in, one? Yeah, right. It's Colorado uh, Doug. Bro, Paleo Effects is the same. so interesting. So we grew up going to the bodybuilding convention. Uh-huh. So like the Arnold, 
I've been to the Arnold Classic one, the Olympia one, uh, LA Expo, you know, San Jose Fit Expo. And you have this culture at these bodybuilding supplement expos. So you see like dudes walking around and like their stringers, lots of chicks with their boobs out and everybody's like, boom, pow, and super chemical supplement makes you buffed and anabolic everything. And it's kind of Everything's this, like neon Right, colors. It's a giant fart cloud. It's just crazy, right? <laughs> right? right? Yeah, then dude. we go to Paleo FX, bro. There's fake fights going on. Yeah. Paleo FX It's the is, same thing. It's the same thing, but it's, same thing. But it's hippies and, doing and, the and same and thing. Bars. It's like meat bars, yeah. bone broth, yeah. bone broth, sandals. Yeah, we got kombucha on yeah. tap. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Everyone's yeah. got blue blockers. Blue blockers. The whole family. Blue blockers. The whole family's wearing blue blockers. Middle of the day. Middle of the day. You don't understand the point of the blue blocker. Take it off. It's the first time I've ever been to a fitness expo where, so at the bodybuilding ones, you see a lot of people walking around with samples and shit. It's like protein bars, pre-workout, meat. There yeah. was fucking steak. Yeah, there really were good out steak. too. I love that. I was like, I this is the that. greatest. Yeah. Dude, uh, they uh, had they had forget, a vital choice. I think had fucking the 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 row the salmon row fucking eggs that yeah. are like forty dollars a pound. They had. I was like, let me try that. Let me try a little bit more. <laughs> like, oh, you don't mind pump. Here, hook them up with some more. I was like, yeah, I know my pump. Give us fucking more. I, I had a, like a half a pound serving. Didn't that where I rode the camel? <laughs> yeah, they, they, <laughs> had camel camel, right? they had a camel. I forgot I about that. I felt bad for that fucking camel. Oh, I like uh, that camel. The kids liked it. it you know what I remembered was that, what, what was that camel one was machine sad. that was like with, with the, uh, oh, the, the you lights? Ta- that you and Taylor went did? Yeah, that we tripped Dude, out. So that's in Austin, and I wanted to do that, uh, oddly enough, for the biohack of the week. But thanks to today's feedback, not sure that I'm going to include Dude, what anything, happened today? anything woo-woo. Yeah, what'd you Tell do? us what happened today. Oh, well, we, we I saw you look like, you look like uh, what's it, Doc from uh, Back to the Future yeah. yesterday. <laughs> on the, I thought was, yeah. <laughs> 21. <laughs> what's our boy doing on there? <laughs> yeah, we got hit pretty hard. Uh, posted about uh, transcranial direct current stimulation, which is something that I was turned on to from Dr. Dan Engel, who I interviewed for the podcast. Mm-hmm. He's, a, you know, he's on the board with on it. And he wrote the concussion repair manual. Fantastic doctor. Also has dealt with traumatic brain injury, as have I, getting fucking hit in the head quite a bit. Mm. And um, God, you're a really smart guy, too. Imagine well, how smart you'd be if you never did that. Oh, God. Oh, or maybe so that's smart. what caused you'd be, you'd be, you'd be a smart. genius. Boy, <laughs> wicked smart. Wicked. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I, had, I, had heard, I remember hearing this, this uh, radio lab that uh, they did in 2014. Joe Rogan was talking about it, called Nine Volt Nirvana, where they took this reporter who had never shot a gun in her life to DARPA out in Virginia. I think it was in Virginia. And so they've got, you know, the largest spending organization in the fucking military that invests all things that are good. They work with Google, like the stealing fire talks about them. And here they are working on this transcranial direct current stimulation, right? So they, they hook her up or before they hook her up, they have her go through the simulation. Never fired a gun in her life. She does a simulation. It's with like a, a M16, but it's, it's not shooting real bullets. It's mm. shooting blanks, and it's, it's heavy. It's got the real weight. Mm-hmm. She kills three out of 20 and says pure panic and fear. They fucking hook her up to the electrodes, juice the brain, and she goes back through it. And the whole thing takes about 20 minutes. She's like, hey, why'd you turn it off? I'm like, what do you mean? You went through the whole program. She's like, no, I didn't. That was a minute. She's like, no, seriously, you went 20 minutes. Wow. She's like, did I, how did I do? She's like, you didn't miss a shot. She was 20 for 20. Wow. In her fucking second round. Crazy. Wow. So that's why the military backs this shit. And there's a wealth of science that covers everything so, from. I got to back you up. There is actually now. It's we don't know the potential of side effects or anything, but there is real evidence. And so what it does, it sends these, mag, you know, magnetic pulses through the brain. This isn't a pulse electromagnetic frequency. What is this it? This is direct current. It's actually sending electricity 
through separate parts of the brain. And based on where you hook them up, the anodes, and so with you will is, stimulate is it, different it parts activate? of the brain. Okay, that's what I thought. And so... so and that's you got, you got big balls, dude, to be messing with stuff like that. When it comes to yeah. my, my brain and my dick, those are the two areas. Like, I'm not taking chances. Yeah. If we don't have, like, enough. Hey, man, Ben Greenfield's one of the guys that turns me on a lot of these biohacks. He will do anything. Of balls, like, he goes to that guy, Dick Gaines, down in Florida, Dick and they Gaines. hammer him. They hammer him in the chode. Yes. I fucking what? swear to God. Yeah. This no, sounds bro He's crazy. But there's a doctor. They hammer him there's in a the doctor. Choke? There's a doctor. Aubrey did it. Aubrey did it with Whitney, with his fiance. His, his name is Dick Gaines, bro. His name is Dick Gaines. <laughs> That's not his real name. Dick Gaines. He's a fucking doctor. He <laughs> I swear to show. God. They go there and I'm they pay this doctor shit. to fucking hammer him with this like this rubber hammer device right in their chode. And it's supposed to stick. You can't walk for three In the punch? Yeah, right in the gooch. In the gooch. And you can't walk for three days, and then all of a sudden it improves blood flow. It opens up. Yeah, I'm not taking that risk, man. Like Ever that. since Adam had the penis pump accident, Bro. he's been really like he doesn't want to fuck <laughs> with that shit anymore. What if you? He's what if delicate. he gave you an inch? Yeah. Gave me an inch? Yeah. Oh, bro, I, do they have anything that takes inches away? You yeah, you're it. Italian. I, I got problems. Yeah. yeah. You're gonna take yeah. a wax with a bomb. I might roll the dice. <laughs> I'm not trying to get a two inch dick. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I like my inch. Yeah. <laughs> all of it. It's all good. It's a tuna can. It looks like my snooze right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like to beat the crap out of the top. Yeah, so it. there's a long story short. There's some weird shit out there, you know, in Greenfield. Yeah, that was a really long story to tell you know, me about what happened on the Facebook. Well, there's there's that was a Sal story. Basically, you know, it's a 30 second post. I can't oh. dive into all the fucking research. I can't talk about my episode with Dr. Dan Engel. I can't talk about all the science behind uh, anxiety and depression, how it rewires the brain for that, how it can just basically help you learn new things, which is why DARPA uses it. You know, Plus, you it's fucking interesting. It is, yeah. and that's what a fucking biohack is. Yeah, yeah. There's only so much low-hanging fruit where I can say, this is how you breathe better. This is what grounding does. Yeah. This is what sunlight does. This is what the sauna does. Yeah, I even got shit for fucking doing the sauna post. Yeah. What? Like, I didn't know I didn't know my liver and my kidneys were connected to my skin when I talked about sweating out toxins, and I'm like, bitch, you think it's just sodium and water coming out of your skin? Of course, I just thought that. I couldn't post anything because I am an employee of you know a larger corporation, and I have to be mindful of you that. You know what you should do? This is what we're going to do. I want you to text me. And I'll go on there and I'll and say troll that shit. The I'll be like, yeah, bitch. You gotta use us like that. Yeah, you right. shit him, Sal. Get him, bro. I'm a gangster on Facebook. You know what I used to love? Well, we yeah, have a lot yeah, of MMA yeah. fans and, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I fought. I love it. I love my fans. But there's also a lot of trolls in that community. And so there seems to be an attraction to that. And the issue that I had, the reason it was bothering me, isn't if people shit on me, that's fine. You know, if they're like, hey, you got this wrong. Yeah, I'll either learn that. from that or it'll be no big deal. They say... Kingsbury sucks. You got your ass kicked by Manawa. It's like, well, yeah, man. He fucking smashed my face in. I got nothing to say there. He fucking destroyed me. That happens in the fight game, right? That's okay. But when they say, and we'll talk, I wanted to talk with you about Jordan B. Peterson. Oh, so let, here we go. Let's uh, dive into this. Oh, Rule number one, uh, right? Rule number one, stand up, straight. stand up straight with your shoulders back. And he goes into how that influences serotonin and how serotonin influences posture. So he talks about the hierarchy of lobsters, the number one main lobster. Well, the, why you got to tell him why. Why he's talking about lobsters is because we share this central right. nervous system. He's saying system. how far back this goes. It this goes 350 this, million years. This, this part of the brain um, is actually older than the part of the brain that recognizes trees. This is, this is something that connects us with all the way back to lobsters. There's, diff, there's parts of our body. Look, we all evolve from the same spot. We all have, and if you go back far enough, you can find... For example, the endocannabinoid system in the body, human body, that goes back in most animals. And you can go back further and further and find commonalities with most things. But, I mean, it's interesting to me because you're showing something that's interesting and people are having a problem with it. Well, when but I, I want to get into this, oh, yeah. though. So, so as, he, as Jordan dives into this and he talks about 
what it means to you know in this hierarchical place mm. and you know the better posture you have the more serotonin <clears throat> maybe the more ladies you get or if you're a lady maybe the more men you get sure and vice versa you're low man on the totem pole you're shriveled up and we see this in humans right we're more likely to see the confidence resonating from somebody who stands tall and speaks with authority and we say oh, i'm gonna listen to that guy i'll give him the benefit of the doubt whereas the guy who's slouched and kind of mopey you're like man i don't know if this guy's what Kyle, this guy's saying one is of, true right one so, of the strengths of our uh, Western approach to understanding the body is that we can isolate segments of the body and learn the shit out of them. One of the drawbacks of that is we've created the illusion. The stuff. <laughs> we've created the illusion that it's all separate. It's yeah. all the same. Can I, okay, this is a fact now. I can uh, I can think something and that will affect my posture. We all know that. We all know the fucking depressed teenager and what they look like with the hair in front of their face and shoulders. Right. We know that feedback. The feedback works the other way around. I can change my body position which will then tell my brain, because you get that feedback. Your body is talking to your brain and your brain is talking to your body. Your body is telling your brain, we are standing up tall, we are happy, or we are crouched forward, we are sad, or we are timid. So it works in both directions and it's fucking insane and silly to me that, we, that people argue that it doesn't. It's all, it's all the same. It all communicates together. Everything works together. Nothing works in a vacuum. So if something happens to your stomach, is that going to affect your heart? Is it going to affect your shoulder? It's all part of the same system. It's the human organism. And yes, we can break out each system and look at them and isolate what's going on or whatever. But if, when you forget that everything communicates and there's feedback going in all these different directions and, and pretend like we know everything about all that, it's just, it's just absolutely silly. You can't compartmentalize. That's one of the you problems can't. with Western medicine. But you know, as, as Jordan goes on further with, with rule number one, he talks about hierarchy and how it's general consensus that human beings created socially. We created the caste system, the right. monarch system. You know, you look at India and, and, and old England, and obviously it's different now. But the bottom line is we see that in all types of fucking animals. We see it in bottom feeders like lobsters. We see it all over. And so what he gets to, and this is a fucking long-ass way to get around to this post, but what he gets to is when you lose an argument on a fucking stage against somebody else, you're not upset that you lost. Mm -mm. You're upset because that guy is saying to everyone in the room, you should not be at the position you're in hierarchically. You do not deserve to be able to speak. And more than that, you don't deserve to be listened to by everyone else in the room. That's right. And so, again, if that's on me from fucking 45 shitty comments on Instagram, that's okay. But when people start saying, I'm not going to buy on it supplements or this and that, now I take that to heart. And so it took a lot of letting go. It took a lot of, uh, you know, there will be a learning curve from this, right? And there will, be, there will be a different way. And maybe our audience wants to see more fucking meathead shit where I, you know, carry fucking 48 kilo kettlebells as far as I can. Who knows, right? But these are the things. Like, I'm a fucking nerd at heart. I love Ben Greenfield shit. I love weirdo biohacks that maybe cost a lot of money that I might save up for one day. You know, and there's a lot of them that I was curious about and tried. And I was like, fuck man, that biomat, that's worth two grand. Mm -hmm. It's worth every fucking penny. I'm going to save up for one of those one day. You know, will I post that as the biohack of the week from now on? Fuck no. Yeah. The light machine you're talking about that yeah, they had at Paleo FX. Okay. No, we're not doing that now. We're not doing that. That's, shit. A, that's unfortunate fun, though, because though. now it's steering yeah. like who you are and what you would like to share and give to the world. I would say, fuck that. I'd say double down. I would I say, know. yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's yeah, my that's pump style. style. We do it. That's my pump style. Sure. Fuck it's, it, man. It's, if it's I believe all, in it, I want to share it. It's all Aubrey. But here's the other thing, you know, people, I'm telling people, it's 150 bucks for this, we got your back for this TDCS device, 150 bucks. 
Floated, flotation, which I love, is also in Dr. Dan's concussion repair manual. Flotation helps heal the brain. There was many things, modalities in there that help heal the brain that I was already doing, mm -hmm. not realizing. I was doing it for a different reason. Hyperbaric oxygen for recovery mm -hmm. also heals the brain. Um, ketogenic diet also heals the brain. I was doing that for other reasons. So, you know, it's cool to see all that, but floats are 75 bucks a piece. That means two floats cost the same as as the a fucking, transcranial device. Because the transcranial device I can have and use forever. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's a fuck, it's 150 bucks. But yeah, man, I did the so research bad, myself to see. I asked our PhD, yeah. is this worth it? I asked Dr. Dan Engel, is this worth it? And he's like, fuck yeah, it's a great thing to have. Yeah. So do I want to post about that? Yeah, I want to fucking post about that. I, I still, Can I tell I still you all rather, the science in 30 seconds? Bro. No, God damn it. Yeah, it's no. impossible. I, you know what, though? It's also your brand. It's kind of part of who you are. So who, yeah. you know what I'm saying? That's but, why I say that's, it's, Who cares for me, right? But do we sell those? No, we don't sell those. So is that biohack worthwhile then if it makes on it look bad? No, we stand to gain nothing from that sure. post. That's sure. my fucking point. Sure. Right? Sure. Can I give, can I serve our audience something they want to see that will still help improve their lives? Fuck yeah, mm -hmm. man. I got a lot of knowledge. I would here. say more you know, than same with you guys, yeah, right? More than half the stuff we share, we're not making money off of. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's yeah. no doubt, right? And yeah. that's one of the bottles of on it. And you know, when you guys interviewed Aubrey, he spoke about on it as a movement, right? We're not a supplement company, we're not a fitness company. Do we have those things? Yes. We're not a food company. We're getting into food. Like we want to help people nutritionally. And we know that it's hard to fucking make all your own high quality meals with grass fed beef and the best cuts of meat, that kind of shit. So how do we drive the needle in all those areas, but then still motivate people, inspire people and help them, right? Here, here's what's going to happen. When you start, when you go in all those different directions, like you are, which is great, it's different and you're going to get pushback. You're going to get the people yep. who were in one camp who came to you because they like that part of the camp. And then you're going to hear this stuff over here and they're going to be like, Oh no, that's stupid. That's woo woo. And then you can have people who come from another camp who look over here and be like, "That's broish. That's whatever." And that's and that's part of the problem. But that's okay because you're part of the solution. Mm. You know, just just do your shit, man. Yeah. This is my double, therapy for double, listeners. Double, <laughs> you know, wait a second. Aren't you interviewing us? Dude? <laughs> so, Kyle, tell us how you're feeling about this. Don't Let's let work them change right you, man. Yeah. You know what's crazy is that uh, today's woo woo is tomorrow's science. Because I'm gonna tell you something right now. 10 years ago. It's not that long, ladies and gentlemen. 10 years ain't that long. 10 years ago, if I went and talked about uh, the microbiome of the gut, if I was to talk about leaky gut syndrome, if I was to talk about fasting and its health benefits, I would be laughed out of any room with any type of health or fitness professional. 100, 10 years ago. 10 years ago, if I went up to people, I'm like, yo. Lose all your muscle, bro. Yeah, if I said to somebody, you know what? If you fasted, like if you didn't eat six meals today like you normally do, and you waited till tomorrow, it would fucking be really good for your health. They would have laughed me out of the room. Today, that's like fucking, everybody agrees. Like, that's awesome. That's awesome. If I talked about float tanks, 10 or 15 years. You know, float tanks have been around since the 1960s. They've been around a long time. If I brought that up anytime, you know, before like maybe 15 years ago, people would have laughed. So, well, they would have brought up AIDS. I don't that's think that's true. I, I think they if you were, because the AIDS scare. I think if we were, if you were, if we were here in the 60s and 70s, you wouldn't be laughed at. And I think history continues to repeat itself. And I think we're just seeing the pendulum swinging back and forth. Mm. And and after the 60s and 70s, it swung the other way, really hardcore for the 80s and the 90s. And I feel like we're coming back the other direction. And maybe we're going to come a little bit further. I think I think there'll become a point where. Uh, there'll be a rise in like the float tanks and all that. We're going to see way more of those, but the, all that technology float tanks are blowing up. Rogan put them up. Yeah, they are. They're, and people are looking, you know, this is something we talked about earlier. People are looking for ways to expand their consciousness and by all means necessary. Right. So there are illegal ways to do that. And there are, 
quite a bit more legal ways than I even understood. There's a, there's mm-hmm. quite a few, and float float tanks being one of them, you know, and that's really important for people to dive into. How are you guys diving into that? I know well, you guys have gotten into cannabis, but what are some of the ways that you guys fucking reset the body? I know you take at least a, a an annual trip. You guys would go to Reno, yeah, have a man trip. Yeah, really we, we take baths together and, uh, and how do I almost? No, I'll tell you what. Everybody uh, has little hacks that they do. I think that yeah. that are unique and different. Here's than, what's yeah. interesting about this movement, and you're right. You're absolutely right. There is this movement to expand consciousness to. Uh, grow in different ways and it's a it's different than the movement that we had in the 60s and 70s because it's uh, legitimate in the sense that professionals and successful people are promoting it today whereas back then it was the counterculture which always kind of which which was against it It was very difficult to make it mainstream because you had a bunch of you know long-haired counterculture people promoting it now you've got ceos and shit promoting it. but here's my fear and here's what we have to watch out for anytime you have something with a lot of power well, things with a lot of power have a lot of power, which means they can go in a lot of different directions. They could do a lot of good. They could do a lot of bad. I mean, when mankind discovered fire, we found a way to warm ourselves and to cook our food to be able to consume more food so we can evolve and grow. But we also found a way to burn ourselves and to cause fires and cause lots of damage. With our current uh, obsession with technology and science and expanding the consciousness, what we are entering into is an age of scientism, which is the worship of science, the religion of science where it, there's no longer a question of, you know, we can do all these things, but should we do all these things? We have morals, we have ethics, and I don't know if we should, even though we may be able to, let's not go that direction or let's, let's tread very lightly. That's sto- starting to go away and it's becoming, if we can, we will. We don't give a shit if we should. It's more let's of an do. arms race. They just, they just cloned, you know, monkeys in China. And do you think that's, that's starting to happen to or it's always been happening? We're just more aware of it now because of like worse. technology and <laughs> social it, well, you're, media. You're it's talking about worse. shit like CRISPR, gene editing, things like that, that who knows the ramifications. Bro, I'm Not talking about all of it. But, but I wouldn't put the same category as... Hooking wires to your brain? Oh, no, for sure. Hooking <laughs> wires to your brain. No, I'll tell you why. I'll why alter states of consciousness? I'll tell you why. So And why if they're done... Like 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 my experience in Sedona, where they're sober, there where you, you go. have no. So there's a very different. That's very different now. Um, you have. Let's talk about psychedelics because that's a very simple. Uh, what? Explanation. I thought you were going to try not to on this episode. Yeah, well, he's bringing well, up altered states. Look at you. Couldn't even do it either. I wanted to talk psychedelics. I challenged him. I said, let's see if we can actually do a podcast and not touch psychedelics. So let's talk about that for a second. You have. You have. I'll make it more. You have the. Well, no. You have the use where, like, you have the map studies and you have people with therapy and all that, and then you have some kid who just goes to a party, decides the wants to take it or whatever. It's a these alter these consciousness altering techniques, meditation. Uh, breath work, fasting, whatever, cause very powerful changes in your consciousness, allowing you to go in a lot of different directions. And it can go in the direction, and it has been used in, we've got lots of examples of this. Cult leaders for years used these techniques to get people around them to totally normal, middle, you know, middle class kids, real smart, whatever, turn them into these kids who will murder for them and do all these crazy shit for them. Yeah, Charles Manson. Charles, right? Great example. Used LSD and meditation and all kinds of things, all these techniques to get these normal kids to do crazy shit for them. The problem is when you start to use these techniques and you start to create this alternate set of ethics and morals where at its base, the only laws are that there are no laws, that we create our own reality, that, hey, man, I'm a fucking... I, I, you know, I want to be a, a six-year-old, or I want to be a horse, or I think I'm this, or there are no rules, there is no good, there is no bad, do whatever you want, this and that. And it becomes the worship of what I call scientism, which includes all these different things. No different than what happened with religion 
thousands of years ago. We had this very powerful, you know, words and messages that came out and people, it changed people's lives. For the good, a lot of people for, for the, the good. good. Right. Uh, look, religion is, was a foundation of human civilization. We, we, it's definitely the first level of consciousness that we really experience. It's religion. And, but it's a powerful tool and it's no different than religion becoming, you know, some of the bad parts that we know where people are doing things they shouldn't. All of a sudden, now I'm killing these people that I know is wrong, but because my religion says that they are bad and I'm supposed to, I am okay. Scientism has that same feel, it has that same smell, and it needs, we need to be very careful because the worship of science, the worship of altered states of consciousness is, is a very dangerous, it's a very dangerous path. And it's the human, this is existential, by the way. This is not like a today problem. This is the human problem. Anytime we have something powerful, we turn it into crazy shit. And we have examples of, I could take simple, simple examples. Nu- nuclear power. What a great fucking uh, breakthrough. An incredible breakthrough of science. And we made nuclear bombs with it too. You know, and, th- and this is the, when we talk about these mm. altered states of consciousness and their power, we have to treat them like they are powerful. We have to explain what you do. Not that you go and, you know, go do these altered states. No, you're going to come out and you're going to be so wise and so much better. No, sometimes you come out and you're not. You think you are. Or uh, you believe now that, again, you can create your own, you know, rules and ethics and laws. And, and it's, you see this explosion now of people testing those boundaries. And there are going to be ramifications. Because these foundational ethics and morals that humans run by, these foundational ones, these ways that have kind of constructed most of societies, are there for a reason. There's good and bad, but why do they exist? Because they work. They work. And we start to destruct all of them in the worship of science, and you start to see problems. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, I'm still, when we're talking about breath work and meditation and the low-hanging fruit for generally finding peace and inner stillness, things that have been talked about for thousands of years in in the East, I don't think that's going to, you know, I don't think that's the prerequisite for Charlie Manson to be able to do what he did. I don't think that's the fucking, I don't, I don't think, I mean, certainly we can use a tool. It is a tool, but, but these are the tools some of the greatest tools that have changed my life in the most positive way. And I've done psychedelics incorrectly. Uh, I was at a party when I was 16 and, you know, the stripper showed up right after I ate all the mushrooms. You said incorrectly? This sounds really... (laughs) You said this was incorrectly? This is incorrectly. okay. Incorrectly. She threw threw a mask on my face, shaved one of my ass cheeks and beat me with a dildo. Wow. Wow. And... When the mask came off, yes, right. I was real, fucked uh, up, question. man. I fucking threw up uncontrollably. I had all the fear in the world. It was the wor- one of the worst experiences of my life. That's the wrong way <laughs> that's, to do it. That's, that's the wrong way to do it. There's that's right the wrong way, way to do anything. There's the right way, there's the right way and the wrong way to do anything, right? But I don't think Great that analogy. Learning, learning breathwork technique is not going to send you down that rabbit hole. There's no party that I show up to where I'm doing breathwork. So, and I'm like, man, I don't know anybody here. And a stripper's showing up. She could get weird if well, I'm doing deep Wim Hof so breathing. So imagine <laughs> this. Imagine you have, and you're right. I think that there's a different, um, there's a different uh, potential for all of these things. Breathwork, meditation, lower potential because of the work required to get to the space yeah. when you're in an altered state of consciousness. Requires a level of... <laughs> stillness a level of dedication fasting so requires it, a lot of fucking work yeah, a lot of discipline different Absolutely. now but i can paint a picture where those things can be used wrong imagine an extremely charismatic extremely well-spoken <gasps> individual a leader a natural where people want to follow this person and this person uses these techniques with these individuals takes them away here we are at our retreat whatever use these techniques and now i'm going to start deconstructing your ego and we're going to start creating this different set of rules or whatever or so say you have an island like aldous huxley wrote about and you create a new law and a new rule 
and and everything is done from a conscious point of view and you and you do create new rules and you live communally and everyone gives to one another and maybe it is what the utopia of fucking the, the archipelago or Arch, what is that the gulag archipelago. archipelago yeah right maybe maybe it is that 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 dream realized maybe it is a modern utopia or maybe it's not but i don't think people are going to use psychedelics to recreate communism i don't think that's the path i don't think that was the fucking are you for, well do you know the, the communes that were that were built, developed was, in the 60s i know there was 70s? quite a bit in the 60s yeah. and 70s and you know I'm what happened saying, to those communes Gone. All of gone. them gone. Destroyed. I mean, people got... Because uh, what happened is the same thing that happens in fucking communism, right? You have people... And in socialism. You have yeah. the people taking as much as they possibly can and giving as little as it's they can. Because a part of that is human nature. It's because there's a fundamental flaw in the philosophy. And the philosophy is that... Uh, and, it's, and everybody's going to hear this and be like, no, that's the right philosophy. The philosophy is we are all one and do everything for everyone else. And that sounds good, and it's very tempting, but it's actually fundamentally incorrect. It's flawed because, and you know the quote, the be the change you want in the world, and all change starts with you. You can't do that when you have that philosophy. The true philosophy is, I, I am me. I need to take care of me. Now, in the truest sense, I don't mean take care of me like spoil myself and you know, buy myself all kinds of shit and be this lavish fuck or whatever. Like Hollywood you're, Hogan. you're not really taking care of yourself like that, right? You wouldn't do that with a kid. You raise your kid. You're not going to give them everything they want. You want to have some challenges. You want So doing that with yourself, and if everybody did that, now you've got a situation where now people work together. They volunteer. They voluntarily. Uh, there is no, nobody needs to be forced. Hey, I, totally I agree different. with you 100%. Yeah. Do the work on yourself. It's been a message that I've yes. had. It's been a message that you guys have had, and do it for you. Don't, yeah. don't lose weight because your wife tells you to or the doctor does. Do it because you want better for yourself. Absolutely. Do it because you want to live better, right? And then also, utilize some tips and tactics and some, some, some tools in the toolbox, psychedelic or not, yeah. flotation, you know, that, that's a great tool. Exercise. Tools. Exercise yeah. is a great tool. Exercise is a great... Anything that provides stress relief. But remember, as Paul right. Check says, working out is a physical stressor. Mm -hmm. So we need to work in. We need to spend time being comfortable in our own skin. You know being, it's a great technique for that? Hmm. So, by the way, Taylor, I told you I'd go off if I had that freaking cannabis before him. Yes. He, yeah, every yeah. time. Yeah. I'll just go off on a tangent. Uh, you know what's really cool about that I just learned recently with exercise about working in? So, you know, when you work out and you lift really heavy and you're taught to tighten your core and then breathe out with controlled force because it gives mm -hmm. you more power. And you hear lifters do this like, you know, the breathing out. Reverse your breath while you're lifting and watch what happens. Mike you Salemi does that. Does he really? Yeah, man. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, big time. Good. I knew That's I was a part of something. his working in. In fact, him and Paul just created a video on working in while you work out. And a lot of the stuff's done complimentary so they do a set of kettlebell swings and then they do a set of tai chi right in between mm -hmm. but there's plenty of stuff and a lot of the mobility i work with kettlebells like doing halos or doing windmills all you know windmill i'll exhale going down to touch the ground and i'll inhale coming back up yeah and it changes and the same the thing feel with the squat the when you squat and you exhale going down how much deeper do you get oh yeah mm -hmm. right and then you inhale coming back up as the breath expands you're creating that so, internal tension yeah too, you're not going to do that on a fucking max effort back squat <laughs> no, but no, when, you're, no. when you're just opening up the hips and you're using it more as a mobility tool it's an excellent way to fucking open up the body yeah. and it is meditative in yep, its own way yep and mm. a good exercise good fitness provides um now let's go start a commune and make our own rules yeah so. right exactly because <laughs> i just did this fucking working in exercise did, did you really? yeah yeah no but caused, caused me to fucking want to change all the rules yeah, good good fitness good exercise does become a, a, a nice state of flow for people and i and if you can start to reach that with your fitness, I don't care what you're doing, um, you're much more likely now to have something that you're going to want to seek out because it's all about the what I'm doing right now, not the 
I need to lose, you know, 20 pounds a month from now or whatever. It's all about like, I'm enjoying this process and that's a great way to do it. That's something I got with deadlifting. And, and I love the, the story you guys were telling me about the deadlifting competition that Adam and Sal had. And uh, Sal, I guess, finished on top. But the, there's no love lost there. I never got. <laughs> He's normally on top. Wait a minute. I never got the six hundred pound deadlift. That, that's worse, Adam. Just, <laughs> that's cool. That's very, very yin of you. Very receptive. Uh, but, but um, you know, I had a goal of getting a six hundred pound deadlift, and then when I realized that my cardio sucks now, I'm too big. I need yeah. to drop weight in order to do jujitsu. Maybe I'll never get that six hundred pound deadlift. And then I had this thought for for only a moment what's the point if I'm just going to do the same weight or that kind of thing? And then it was like, oh, no, I fuck, this is my favorite exercise on earth. Deadlift for the enjoyment of deadlifting, right? And nothing has made me deadlift more consistently since that realization. Well, I fucking love to do this. Did it take, it didn't take away from your jiu-jitsu? Did it? Well, when you were training just for When strength. I was 238, yeah. it took away my jiu-jitsu. How much you weigh right now? 220. Okay. Now I'm keto, so when I go out of ketosis over the summertime, I'll be about 225 from carb. What do you feel weight. most comfortable at? What body weight? Man, if I'm fighting or if I'm competing, 218. 218? Yeah. That's your best. That's your most comfortable weight? That's my most comfortable. That's my most flexible. That's where I can run the farthest and not mm -hmm. have pain. That's when I wake up and I feel good. I'm not sore. But at the same time, you know, I'm not training like that. I'm never going to be under 5% body fat again. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with that. That was a separate time mm -hmm. in my life. And now it's, and same with you guys. You know, Adam, you competed on stage. You looked fucking jacked to the gills. Sal and Justin were hitting you with the paintbrush, yeah. with, the dark, yeah. with the dark tanner. Was on the no desire to do that again. Three, three layers of tanner. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's a different place. Like, yeah. we can move bros past that bros. and then see, like, hey, man, there's still a lot I enjoy from this. Mm -hmm. And deadlifting is one of those things. I fucking pulled with bands the other day. It's just 315. Oh. But it was dope. Pulling with bands is fucking yeah. excellent, oh, right? I, love it. I feel yeah. incredible. I feel I like King it. Kong. No, it's interesting with uh, with resistance training when you you really get into it and push your body. And as you start to dive deeper into fitness, you start to realize that the human body physically does everything pretty terrible. We're horrible as animals in the physical department, except for one thing, endurance. That's the one thing humans are pretty fucking kick-ass. You know we can outrun or out-trek almost any other animal? How crazy is that? But we're so attracted to lifting out trek is the word. Outrun out sounds yeah, yeah. like we're faster. We're no, not, not faster fast. by any No, just out trek. Yeah. She just kick her. Yeah, ass. it's funny. And we're in there like trying to get as big as possible and lift weights. You know what I mean? It's so <laughs> we opposite of what we're of what yeah. we're good at. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. You should just go do some. I don't know if you should. Actually, it's probably not the best for your health. But well, I'm not interested in becoming a Western States 100 mile racer. You know, I did a 50k, and that's good. Good enough. <laughs> yeah. not, you did a 50k, huh? I'm not running that back. How was the 50k? Is that when you got sick? What a horrible idea. Yeah, man. It was it was a bad idea. <laughs> so I had some candida already in me and possibly some parasites at that time. And I ran the 50K. I was everybody thought I was a bodybuilder because I'm the only guy that's over 200 pounds. So I'm 235 running it. And, you, know, I was you did it at 235? Yeah, and I was inspired by <laughs> Dr. Kelly Sturette. You know, I had no injuries. His book, Ready to Run, really helped me. Primal Endurance by Mark Sisson really helped me. And it was something I just wanted to do. Not because I was going to win. Just like, let me you fucking finish this and know yeah. I can run a fucking ultra. Right? And it was beautiful. It was out in Zion, Utah. And then after that race, no injuries, no problems. Finished in the allotted time. You know, last, I think I came in last for the allotted time. Clydesdale group. 10 hours. And, uh, you know, then my, my health just went to shit. I started getting sick all the time. Never had colds before that. Uh, dropped my training from twice a day to twice a week and was still getting sick. Then we had a comprehensive stool analysis. And they were like, look, man, you have the highest amount of blastocystis hominis parasites. 
and you have the highest amount of candida mm. testing. Hear that? Running will make you sick. Yeah. No. I was also the only guy on the course who didn't have a camelback. And because we had a big storm come in, instead of having four aid stations where we'd get water and electrolytes and shit, we now had one. Mm. So in that 10-hour race... So now you know, your, your gut is sucking as much yeah, fluid as it and, possibly and can. You're talking to Dr. Grace Liu from um, the Gut Institute out in Dublin, California. She's like, look, man, you get dehydrated, your body's going to pull fluids from everywhere including yep. the intestines yep. and that will cause leaky gut literally overnight it's hyperpermeability mm. caused in the moment did you know that uh athletes and people who train hard have a much higher instance of uh issues with like food intolerances it's much more common uh, leaky gut syndrome in particular you know what's here's the crazy part about it what have we been told for so long you need to do right after your workout like right after you work out get your post-workout shake Slam get, your protein get slam, that anabolic window in right so that which is all which is in Almost 100% bullshit. I mean, maybe give you some benefit in, under certain context, uh, context, but for the most part, it's bullshit. But here's the irony of all that. Exercise causes inflammation. We know it's a stress on the body. That's why it gets your body to adapt. But in the meantime, while you're working out, for all intents and purposes, it's not really good for you. I mean, we test your blood. We see inflammatory markers go up. Go up. Inflammation overall goes up. Stress hormones go up. This is the worst time to consume something if you have a tendency towards gut issues because you are now in a more inflamed state than you normally are so it's a bad context and now you're introducing food into your gut and the food that you're introducing is a super pre-digested yeah. super fast absorbing <coughs> processed powder and so you're creating the perfect storm for food intolerance so it's one of the worst times especially if you if you're somebody who has or tends to have gut issues you're better off waiting an hour or two post workout the, the, to take your shake or whatever than you are right away post-workout. If you're healthy, it's probably not going to make a big difference or a big deal for you. But I found that very fascinating when I first learned that. And it was Dr. Ruscio. It was a conversation with Dr. Ruscio that I had. And it just blew my mind because... Ruscio's the man. Because, uh, you know, I've been in fitness for so long. I know a lot of people now that have been working out for a long time. So, you know, most of these people are in their you know mid-30s to 40s. And almost all of them have gut issues. Almost all of us now have... Oh, I can't eat that anymore. I can't have gluten anymore. I can't. It's almost like way more than off, uh, you know, often than not. Both, yeah. I don't know if you guys experience the same. No, thing. No, no, all of us have. I mean, I think that uh, all of us have went through a time in our lives where I mean, I, I'm on a strong ten years together of two to four protein bars, shakes, speed stacks a day, every day, consistently, and you know, and now I've got psoriasis and. Losing all kinds <laughs> oh, of skin yeah. issues going on with yeah. me, so Acid I mean, and everybody flux, that I worked with that were shit. trainers, there's very few trainers I know that w that did that because obviously there were some trainers that weren't like that. I had trainers that were not eating the bars and doing the speed stacks and doing all this stuff. The super post workouts, right? Thing. They weren't doing that, but the, I feel like out of all of us that were, a good majority of them are dealing with some sort of an autoimmune. Yeah, now. it's crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, they were all artificially yeah, flavored. Yeah, Lucio said. Uh, if you combined every different type of autoimmune disease, it would rank right up there with cancer. Yes. It's right now, it's like number 12 or something, but it would be number two or three in the world for right. leading causes. There is an auto. It's not killing people. We don't talk but, about but it. Very it much. And then it's, and then we try to, we try to classify each autoimmune That's disease right. as its own disease rather than lump them in. We don't say right. all the different cancers are one type of th fucking disease. We say all the cancer, which people right? don't realize that it, one, the same thing can affect. 10 different people, 10 different ways. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's it can right. be expressed so many different ways. Well, even among carbohydrates, you look at that. Right. That was one of the things that blew my mind in grain brain. It's like, hey, if genetically, if you're predisposed to pre, uh, type 2 diabetes, 
and if, if looking at Adam, and if Sal is predisposed to Alzheimer's disease, and both of you guys throw caution to the wind with your carbohydrate intake throughout the course right. of your life, you'll get type two diabetes, right. and Sal will get fucking. It just Alzheimer's makes sense disease. to me when you think about evolution and that we came from somewhere where your family probably ate certain types of foods that came from a certain soil, and just it's all Weston A. Price. That's right. a yeah, lot yeah. of a lot of the foundation of Paul Check's work is based around that. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's what we're doing is we're looking at a collection of symptoms as their own independent individual diseases rather than a collection of symptoms coming from a root which is a dysfunction of the immune system which is caused from you know many different things can cause that i don't think there's a single solution or a single thing that's causing it but when we start to piece things together look here's the deal like we know now that uh the gut is uh extremely uh, influential in how you feel and think like tied to things like depression and anxiety is coming from the gut. It's funny because what Hippocrates, I think, was the first person to say what all diseases begin in the gut. It's funny because it's all ancient wisdom, right? But we're starting to see those types of things. And, it, and everybody's immune system is, is a fingerprint. Yours doesn't look like anybody else's. And so it's going to respond differently. And if you have dysfunction, it may show up in your skin. It may show up in your brain. Um, it may show up with, you know, as, uh, you know, diabetes or um, irritable bowel syndrome, which seems to be one of the more common ones. And we're Bones in the middle. Disease is exploding. All we, of it. We are in the middle of an autoimmune uh, epidemic. 100%. Look, I'll tell you what. We're almost the same age. How many kids do you remember when you were in school having peanut, aller- peanut allergies when you were in school? Fucking none. Never. None. Never. I'm, I, I, heard, I knew what it was. Yeah. But there was nobody where it was like peanuts aren't allowed in the classroom. No. So, you're, I, so your kid's not old enough yet to, to go to school, right? But my kids go to school and there's entire classrooms that are not peanut free, allergen free. And nut free too. Like no. you can't even have coconut in. And I had that issue. That's what just I mean. Bringing All... it to a fucking like one of these play centers. Yes. Yeah. Like sorry, you can't have coconut. I'm like coconut. It's yes. fucking oil. And they're like, no, nah, it's a tree nut, and we don't do any nuts at all. We have traded acute disease for chronic Only disease. Oreos. Is what's end up happening. I mean, it's it literally is crazy. You look at Alzheimer's. There was uh, I watched this talk by I can't remember his name. It was a doctor, a leading researcher in uh, not Alzheimer's, excuse me, in autism. And he, when he was a student in the 70s, uh, during his internship, he, his professor or the, the, the main doctor that he was working under said, hey, come over here. I'm going to show you something that you're never going to see again in your life. It's so rare. And it was a child with autism. And he remembered that. Well, today, um, that number went from like, I don't know, like one out of every half a million to now it's like one out of some estimates, like one out of 100 or one out of 200. Some say even, even worse than that. And, you know, that's tied to, that's been shown, there's some connections to the gut that's been connected to the immune system. So we're literally in this epidemic of health, of autoimmune issues in health, and it actually threatens to bankrupt the wealthiest societies the world has ever known, and it's pretty fucking crazy. It's really, really scary. Well, I, hopefully that, that causes a shift, right? And, and, and you see some of the hospitals and bigger places that are starting to encourage people to do healthy things. They're creating apps, and they're giving them a break on health insurance if they're doing good things for themselves, you know, if they're monitoring their diet or they're logging so many steps per day, little things like that. And I think the model has to change where we influence health. You're not going to go to your doctor to get fucking healthy. You go there to get fixed when you're fucked up. Mm-hmm. And they do a great job of fixing you. They fix my fucking... They're the best at it. My, yeah, they're the best. They fixed my, my torn right lab- labia <laughs> from fighting <laughs> in 2012. They fixed it great. Oh, good. But at the same time, like, they don't teach health. They don't have enough time to teach health. Yeah. 
thankfully there's there's great people we interview you know the, the rob wolves of the world the mark sissons the people that have that have been in shitty spots in health and been driven to figure this out and worked with some of the best doctors like a dr michael ruscio mm-hmm. you know and we can share that knowledge so what do you guys think the biggest mistakes that the consumer is making right now when we i mean we're here we're on the optim uh, human uh, HMO, right? So I feel like we should talk about optimizing and the biggest mistakes that you see people when they're attempting to optimize their life. What do you see? Well, there's, there's no doubt. There's still, this, there's still this idea of, I'm going to fix it with a pill. And that could be alpha brain. It could be fucking anything. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. It starts with the gut. It starts with a lot of things. It starts with the food we put in our body. It starts with movement. It starts with how I breathe. It starts with all that. And then if I can fix... Those little, like, what do you build the fucking house on? It's right. your foundation, right? And if your yeah. foundation is solid, and then you're still saying, like, hey, my brain works great, but let me take it up a notch. Alpha brain's awesome then. But if you've got fucking brain fog and you eat shit every day at 2 p.m. because right. your, your diet's crap, mm-hmm. you're not going to fix that with a fucking supplement. No way. Like, there's, it, some, no. there's some baseline things here, some prerequisites well, to the course. And, and part of the problem is this. Part of the problem is if you're somebody, you have an autoimmune condition, you're feeling crappy or whatever, and you go to the doctor, and let's say the doctor does say, here's the deal. Like, I want you to go to bed and get eight hours of sleep, and I want quality sleep, so I want you to draw your blinds. I want you to make sure the room is cool. It's an hour before you go to bed. Turn off all electronics. I want you to do five minutes of mindfulness every single day. Um, I want you to eat whole natural foods. Let's avoid, uh, you know, overly processed food. Let's bring your sugar intake down. I want you to exercise three days a week. You would have pers- exactly one percent of those people would do that. Every- nobody else would do but, it. But That's here's the bit, thing. part of the big there, problem. Maybe only one percent that would do everything. But even if you took, if if you took the eighty twenty and you did eighty percent of those things a little bit better, maybe you don't get eight hours, but you get seven, and you you're a, a person that used to get six. That's an improvement. You well, can make little improvements in all areas that have a fucking huge exponential, you know, outlook on your total health. Here's what I am one. hopeful for, though, like like he had alluded to and mentioned earlier, is those companies that are trying to kind of address it by rewarding people, like it by, so they have like technology, whether it's like a step count or it's like you can actually peer into like your quality of sleep now, and you can kind of peer into more of these metrics that are kind of. Um, you know, they're, they're coming up with all these devices that can kind of get some biofeedback that we can actually kind of look a little bit further into the actual overall health of an individual. And, you know, there's, there's two sides to that, of course. And this is what like Dr. Anna Galpin kind of talks about in his book. Right. And, and so it's like, we can get obsessed and and that's like the the nature of human beings. We get obsessed in one direction and and it just, it, it actually becomes a problem, but um, you know, I am hopeful in that direction on that end of it from just your surface type of a person that's just like, OK, well, I need a pill. Well, no, you don't need a pill. We need to dive in and, and figure out what exactly like it looks like for you, what every day looks like and wh- where are those little tiny micro tweaks you can make that are going to make a massive difference. And then, you know, start to kind of, uh, you know, move away from just being fixated. on. You, you know, something I've been diving uh deep into recently it's something it's a subject i've been passionate about for a while um i watched a documentary um the science of fasting have you seen that one it's on amazon really good mm, is that the one that has uh sachin panda and uh fuck who else there's uh well it highlights list uh crouching so tiger yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah him too um so fasting is very interesting and I, I, the reason why i'm bringing it up is because it's a single thing that requires 
a simple type of discipline because all the other things tend to be difficult. There's lots of moving parts. But I fasting, watched a different fasting documentary. Yeah. That's why I was trying to ask. Okay, go ahead. So this really good documentary. This sounds better. And um, and it dived into the way that Eastern Europe or Eastern European countries, Russia, for example, uses fasting. They've been using fasting for a very long time, and it was a part of their medical system. And so they have these fasting clinics where you go in and you have, I don't know, rheumatism or some other form of autoimmune disease, and you're monitored by nurses and doctors, and they put you on prolonged fasts, some of them as long as 21 days long. So you're doing these long fasts. You're allowing the immune system to you know, you know, kill off old cells, you know, cell autophagy. Um, and it's the older cells, the more dysfunctional cells that die when you fast. Body's intelligent. They kill the, off the geezers first. The good cells uh, tend to hunker down and get really strong. In fact, Dr. Walter Longo shows studies that show that when you fast and then get chemotherapy, not only do you kill more cancer, but you protect more healthy cells as well. So you get this, crank, this interesting dual effect. But they do these prolonged fasts, and they're being monitored, and they use it as medicine. And they're finding success rates of up to 50% for chronic autoimmune issues like asthma. Like people are going there and they're doing these prolonged fasts. And I'm not recommending you do anything like that without any supervision. So I want to be very clear. Do your research and make sure you get supervised. 700 episodes in, you know the disclaimer at That's this right. point. But I'll tell you what, fasting is, and you can do a, most healthy people can do like a 48 to 72 hour fast. A fast is a great way to reset your body and the benefits you get from that single act is probably more than any other single short, you know, hard, you know, act that you may do at one time. Like eating really healthy for three days won't do it. A seventy-two hour fast will. Not or even close. Working out real hard, you know, a couple times won't do it. So that's something you can do to start. And what you'll find as well is coming out of a fast. And uh, again, another thing I want to be clear is if you have <coughs> food relationship issues, if you find yourself you're the kind of person that doesn't want to eat all the time, anorexic, whatever, this is not for you. But doing a fast, coming out of the fast, you'll find that receptors for perceiving uh, you know, sweet or highly palatable foods are reset and you'll find that whole natural foods now taste much uh, more vibrant to you, taste more delicious to you. You'll find your appetite is much more accurate. And what I mean by that is uh, you know, highly processed foods hijack your, your, your systems of satiety, your natural systems of satiety. You know, and they're designed... Rubble will talk quite a bit that yeah. hard to eat, man. Yeah, and they're designed that way. Yeah. Th these foods, there's a lot of money that goes into making foods that can override your body's you know, uh, palate fatigue, where if you eat something and you get sick of it, right, they're designed to become so hyperpalatable that you'll want to keep eating them. Well, when you fast, you tend to reset those things, and now you'll go eat a strawberry or you'll get some, go eat some broccoli or a piece of fish, and it's like, pow, wow, this is amazing. So fasting, great step, and I wanted to give that because sometimes that we talk in these like big, broad, general terms, I think people leave and they're like, well, what do I do first? Mm -hmm. Look into fasting. It's a really great way to reset stop the body. eating right now. That's it. Just stop. That's it. Just stop. You can do That's it. Super it's affordable easy. too. It is, it's incredibly <laughs> it costs you nothing. <laughs> it's incredibly That's why it's not promoted more. You can't three sell you know three though, easy payments. You can't sell it. Yeah. I, one thing I like about that too is it's like, well, how can I get healthy? I, I don't have the use of my legs, or I don't have this, or I don't have that. And it's like everyone on earth can stop eating. Everyone on earth can stop. And and I don't need to lose fucking fat. I still do fasting. I practice it for longevity. I practice it for my brain. That's why you should. The right way. Exactly. I, I think it's. Yeah. I think it's that's, not about yeah. how can I shed pounds with this. It's no. about resetting, fucking all the hormonal imbalances, resetting my mm -hmm. insulin resistance from being carb heavy during fighting and shit like that. And that's all important stuff. And, and just purely working on your relationship yep. with food. I mean, so many people think they're hungry and they're not really hungry. Yeah. I, mean, I know this. For every time I do it, I get the same thing. I'm like, 
God, I'm so hungry. I'm like, am I really? You know, it's only been like 12 hours since I ate. It's not that long. It's just that you, we've trained ourselves so well at these things. You answer certain, that call every time. Yes, certain times of the day. I mean, you find yourself too. Like, I, ha I have this pattern. As soon as I get off of work, I call, I call my girl as I'm on my way home just to figure out if I need to pick something up from the grocery store. I'm like, you know, I remember calling her that, that, when we were fasting going like, shit, I don't have anything to ask her. <laughs> and her answer the phone, I'm like, oh, I'll see you. I'm on my way home. I forgot what I was going to talk to that I realized what I was doing. I was like, oh, shit. I was so trained to call her and ask what's for dinner. Do you need me to pick anything up? That we're fasting right now. So I it, think it, it's interesting. Think about it. Think about it. Most people in, in modern societies, right? Most people have never truly felt hunger. Trip off that. This is a, this is a fundamental natural human feeling or emotion fed you can almost you can almost consider it an emotion it's not an emotion but it's, it's a feeling that you get right it's a call and most people have never gone longer than 24 hours without food most people never felt true hunger what people feel are cravings cravings are not coming from typically not coming from signals in your body telling you that you need you know uh you need this nutrient or you need this or you need that cravings are typically driven by emotions state changes they're driven by habits your environment you go to the movies and you crave popcorn all of a sudden because they've created this pattern in your brain through and effective shitty, marketing shitty sleep will raise ghrelin and ghrelin gets the the stomach growling as rob wolf says that's the fucking the hungry hormone right right, right. so you like shit and see how much you eat the next day right so right. everybody knows cravings most people don't know hunger and hunger is a, in a, it is a teacher, like all things. Imagine if you went your whole life never feeling sad. Imagine how much you wouldn't have grown as a result of it. And, and cravings are things that we try to stifle and stuff and numb. And this is when you get people who overeat constantly, need to feed themselves because they're anxious or whatever. And fasting is, uh, I know why fasting, and you, if you asked me this 10 years ago, I would have laughed, but I completely understand now why fasting is an almost every major ancient religion in the world. It's, it definitely is a spiritual process because you go through the process of, process of experiencing the real feeling of hunger and what that means and what that does. And you understand that you start to disassociate or disconnect emotion with food. And it is, it can be, I think, a very growth spiritual experience. I know every time I fast, I come out of it and it's, I trip myself out. I'm like, man, I feel like. But, uh, but you want to change the rules of society each time you fast. No, not at all. <laughs> well, we should, Maybe. we should share with the listeners how we, how, what are some simple ways that we optimize? You guys both went on these crazy tangents and we never, never, never once addressed, like, what are these things that. Oh, you, that we optimize. Right, that we do. Because, I mean, uh, and, the, and fasting is an example Fasting's of one of them. Like, I, I get questions all the time about, hey, Adam, what do you think about this supplement or this just came out? Have you guys read anything about this? And I'll just turn around and ask someone, like, have you even tried to fast before? It's like, try that first. Try that and see how that works out for you before you go invest any money or time doing something else that you're not sure about right now. Try doing that and work on that. So what are some other things that yeah, you have my, put in place? Something for me is um, that I never appreciated uh, when I was younger was nature. Never appreciated it. And then uh, I started dating somebody who really did enjoy nature. And so we went on a trip when we first started dating and she, we went to Lake Tahoe and the place we were supposed to camp. She picked this campsite, which I, I was like, I hate camping, but you know how it is when you're fucking dating a girl. Boy. You're dating a girl that, you know, you want to impress her. Yeah. And you're really attracted. like, fuck, I'll, yeah, I'm all fucking camping. Pff, easy, right? And I'm like, oh, I hate that shit. So she's like, oh, cool. You like camping? Cool. I'm going to pick a place that we have to kayak to. We have to hike to and then kayak to. And then we have to find, hike to the campsite. And it's all this elaborate, crazy shit. So I'm like, oh, fuck. 
So we get on the kayak and we end up getting lost. And so I end up kayaking across Lake Tahoe for something like five hours. And we end up coming back and we finally find a place and it's dark and we get in the tent and as shitty as it all was, as stressed out as it, as it was, I also had this uh, very interesting experience from it where I felt um, this sense of peace and calm. It was very interesting, very strange. I'm in nature, not really using my technology. I'm uncomfortable, but I'm learning that I'm okay being uncomfortable, which was kind of cool for me. And so since that day, I now put myself in nature and unplug. And it's every time I do it now, it gets more and more um, impactful to me. And it's become an important part of my reset where I go and I'll do a hike and we'll do some challenging hikes or things that I know will make me uncomfortable, which isn't that challenging because it's easy to make me uncomfortable when it comes to nature. But I come out of it and I'm, I feel so much more centered and so much more calm. And then when we do the podcast, you know, better podcasts, I work harder. That's probably the number one biggest change I think I've made. Adam? Number one, I don't know, man. There's a lot, there's a lot of things that I think, especially with the courses podcast that, that I've kind of hacked into. And I think everybody has to kind of figure out what, you know, How about the turning off electronics before bed. Yeah, no, that was huge for you. Yeah, that's one that was for sure. And what I'm getting at with this is that I think everyone's going to be different. Like, so something I, I found out when kind of diving into, you know, what, what's holding me back from goods. So sleep, sex, my workouts, nutrition, like these are all big rocks to me, like addressing those, those issues. And then looking at them, like, how am I optimizing all those areas? And when I look at sleep and, and sex, like, the electronics thing was hurting me more than I realized until I really dove into it because I'm notorious for working all day, coming home, walking past my girl, forgetting to kiss her high, walking straight to the office or room and getting right back to the computer and working all the way till 11 o'clock at night and then trying to settle down and go to sleep and staying up all night because my butt, my brain is still buzzing. So, and that also bleeds over into a uh, not as good at healthy as a sex life, a relationship with my partner, which then bleeds over into the next day with me and working out and everything else. So that was a huge rock for me was to uh, start to pay attention to how lit my house was at night, um, how much I was staring at computer screens and phones really late. So I started with a curfew of 7 p.m. with my phone. I'm just like, okay, at 7 o'clock. And I'm, I'll tell you right now, I'm still not 100% perfect. It's, I still have habits there. It's something I got to constantly check myself where I try and just 7 o'clock rolls around and I walk my phone upstairs and put it, take it away from me so it's not there. That's now improved uh, my sleep. That's now improved uh, my communication for my relationship. That's now improved my, my, my sex and, uh, with my partner also, which then has helped with better sleep and then better workouts and, and better overall. So you know, that was a major hack for me. And maybe for somebody else, that's not a big deal. Maybe they don't have that, that problem. And I think that's what I always try and tell people is, you know, dive into to your areas when you look at some of the big rocks where you're not optimizing. Do all the things that you can do first uh, to address that. Um, another big thing, a big hack for us was going through the ketogenic diet. I don't subscribe to any one diet, um, but I do believe in taking following a protocol and following a protocol so you have something to measure. And then I pay attention to, okay, now that I've switched my diet to the ketogenic diet, what are some of the things that I'm noticing? And there's always a cause and effect. There were some positive things. There were some negative things. Some of the positive things was never in my life before had I ever consumed that much fat. I mean, it was double, triple of what I ever would ever do. So I started to see benefits from that. My skin, my hair, I, I noticed too, inflammation was down. My energy levels were more consistent. I didn't seem to have cravings. So all these great benefits. 
But then again, uh, pulling away from it's not the diet that made me feel that way. It was the macro profile that I changed and what, how, what I was doing to my body before. So I think learning to look at uh, hacks or ways to optimize your life and then extract like, well, why is that working? Like if I take this supplement or I do this thing. Yeah, what was I remedying? Yeah, what, what, was, I, what, what was I fixing and, and addressing those things? Um, that was big for me. Another big hack in the last, uh, I think two years ago, I shared this on the podcast. Um, I set a goal of every month that um, I would chip away at reading a book. And what that ended up bleeding into was my girl and I would start to read every night together. And uh, man, that just, that took our relationship to a whole nother level. And when my relationship at home, I've been together with Katrina for seven years. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, we're beyond the honeymoon stage and everything's fun. Like, Sometimes you can find yourself looking at your partner and sometimes it almost feels like a business relationship if you don't continue to, you know, foster that other side. And so that was a major thing that uh, improved my relationship, which improved my overall health. So sometimes it's not this direct, like, if I take this, this is going to increase protein synthesis or I'm going to recover at a faster rate or I'm going to do these things. It's like, fuck, there's some other things, man, that will, will improve my health and wellness and fitness more than anything else. And that was something that I didn't learn until way later on. And when I first started as a trainer, it was all about macros. It was all about training and working out. And I didn't address any of those other things. It wasn't until I got beyond in my 30s when I think sometimes some of us are forced to look at those things. Yeah. And then I started to notice, like, holy shit, like, this is the big stuff. This is figuring that out and then putting, putting things in place to, to try and optimize that way. So those are just some of the ones that I use. So what Justin got for us. Yeah, for me... I just found out about myself being um, so driven um, by the, the sympathetic state. Like I just wanted to always like whether it's I'm working out or I'm I'm pressing forward in business and life, accomplishing things. I am just I was just always so on, and I didn't really understand that just sitting down, decompressing, or uh, walking and thinking that just being in nature and you know, chilling out was enough for me as far as like, you know, like uh, combating that 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 constant driving uh, force that I that I was feeling that was actually affecting me, um, you know, with my posture, with my uh, this buildup of anxiety and this sort of looming issue that I was I was facing until I started to add more irons into the fire and like really get further and further with what we were doing with mind pump, with what I was trying to do with Axon, with all these different like things that I was trying to, um, you know, combine at once and, um, and then maintain a, a household where, you know, I'm trying to be the best father. I'm trying to be the best husband. I'm trying to, um, you know, just, just be the guy that can, can accomplish all these things and, and keep all these things, um, going and, and moving forward. And uh, it wasn't until I actually was introduced to um, Wim Hof and, and, and breathing techniques that really, man, it was, it's such a, it's such an interesting thing because I know about yoga. I know about breathing techniques and, you know, I've kind of gone through like classes nonchalantly, but never really owned it. And uh, what, what I liked about Wim Hof was that <clears throat> kind of being in, in an athlete mindset, sometimes athletes just need to be forced in a direction and then once they actually once it gets revealed to them and then that's where they need to be it's like oh shit okay i get it now and that was the moment for me when i actually went into the ice bath and where it's like okay those same techniques where i used to brace really hard and tense up 
and try and overcome all exterior forces, that's not going to work. And I have to release. And so once I had that moment where I just released and then started to just try to breathe my way through it and calm, calm my body. And what, what does that feel like? And then all of a sudden everything was easier. Like I wasn't, I wasn't feeling any more pain. Uh, I was, I was numb and Zen, you know, and it was mm-hmm. the first time I was like really Zen and I was like in this freezing ass ice. And so, uh, I kind of took that forward, um, and started to just apply that. And my wife and I actually, um, it started out on the weekends. We would do some, some practices where we'd do some meditation and we would do Wim Hof breathing, uh, together. And she's been tackling her anxiety as well because we're, we're kind of both driven in that direction and so we've slowly been steering the house to eliminate things that um you know we we really can we want to focus more on uh the major things okay so this this right now might not be the thing i need to focus on now and so it's it's prioritizing that that major thing and then everything else we need to kind of we need to just chill out and we need to know um how to how to calm down how to get to that state so that's that that's that other operating system that i i really hadn't used and it was it's crazy i had gone all those years without like understanding how to get to that space so um that was a huge deal for me um and also on top of that i think i think for me just um uh just spending spending quality time um, with my kids and making that a priority, but also creating an environment where play was accessible, like, like physical play. Yeah. And uh, so I actually like, I created like downstairs, we had this kind of room that I was using for storage. And I'm like, why am I wasting this space? You know? So I just took everything and I threw it out and started bolting up um, some rings and, and made a pegboard and, or, or a climbing wall, I mean, and um, oh, it's rad! You should see it. He's got like a little gym and like a yeah. little climbing wall gym in there. So I just try to do that because it's like I don't want them to to get fixated on. Okay, I want to watch TV or I want to, you know, like we we're very active when we go do stuff. But all all the problems I was facing, uh, like they get this weird like <laughs> they turn into little crazy monkeys, you know. Like <laughs> if, you, if you pull them away from like a TV or you tell them you got like. 10 more minutes, you know, and like, uh, you, you make this countdown, like they freak out and, um, it, it's this weird, like almost like a drug response. And then, so I wanted to just eliminate, you know, that for a while and focus more on just getting more physically active. And it's just been, it's, it's been a game changer. So it's like, we, we limited a lot of that, but, um, I mean, it's still there, but, uh, just, just having that physical outlet for them has been huge and their behavior has changed as a result. That's awesome, brother. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Well, man, we got we all went well over an hour. Well, did we? We always do. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. make. I don't. I want to make sure we get home to make these make these awesome steaks. Yeah, I've been yeah. hearing about them all week. Do man. we have, Do we have time to go powder our nose at home and stuff like that, and then meet you over there? Or you... you can. Okay. Yeah, man, I'll get the steaks going. They'll take like twenty five minutes. So yeah, you can run home. Taylor hasn't showered in two days. You know, Sally's the shaver back. So. But uh, <laughs> where you know, like obviously, let's talk. Let's get our social media shout outs. Let's talk about maps. Let's talk about some different shit that you guys yeah. got going on. So Mind Pump is the podcast. You can find us on pretty much any platform: uh, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes. 
uh, our fitness programs or maps. You just mentioned that. So we have fitness programs for athletes. It has nothing to do with shrooms. Yeah, it has nothing to do with mushrooms <laughs> or psychedelics. Um, but it'll make No, you all look, you listeners are getting excited right away. heard maps, dude. You won't need that shit when you do maps. But uh, we have, uh, you know, uh, programs for building muscle, strength, fat loss, you know, that kind of stuff. You can find all that at mindpumpmedia.com. We have a YouTube channel with lots of fitness videos and entertainment as well. That's Mind Pump TV. And then Instagram, Mind Pump Media. It's our main page. And then all of our personals are Mind Pump Adam, Mind Pump Sal, Mind Pump Justin. And then we actually just released our free app. So we have an app. That's right. Uh, Mind Pump Media. And you can get that on your Droid or uh, Apple phones. That's right. Fuck yeah, guys. We make Absolute it easy. pleasure. We'll bring Thanks, this man. back at Paleo FX. Thanks. Awesome, yeah. brother. Thank you, gentlemen. Good hanging, buddy. Thank you guys for listening to the On It podcast with the Mind Pump crew. I had a real blast with these guys in town. Got to get some crazy workouts in with them, and uh, we'll definitely be running these guys back at Paleo FX and onward. Um, leave us a five-star review. It really helps people check out this podcast, and make sure you go over to Mind Pump and give them a listen. They've interviewed Aubrey Marcus and myself quite recently, so lots of good information out there, and uh, I think you guys will dig it. Thanks for listening.